when he's not getting his butt kicked by his mother-in-law at Bridge. He's building Lily Lunch back in 2006. Made the truck across the country to get into YC where he raised his first capital. They've now raised over 35 million bucks. Last raise really was back in 2014. He's managed now to keep the company profitable with more cash in the bank today than all the money they've raised. So more than 35 million bucks in the bank. When they first launched the Pro account, they were converting just 0.5% of those users. Don't expect to do more than that. That's a good lesson for everybody. Generally gotten better than that. Today, over 50 million paid accounts. If you assume some of the numbers he gave us, you can maybe back into a minimum of about 24 million bucks in ARR, growing fast and profitably in the Valley. It's rare. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is David Rusenko. He's the CEO and co-founder of Weebly. He created uh, the company in his Penn State dorm room back in 2006, and Weebly now hosts over 50 million entrepreneurs in 225 countries all around the world. He's helped scale the company to 300-plus employees in five different global offices. He's dad to a 1.5-year-old, and his hobbies range from the stunt car driving to roaring to a roaring game of bridge with his mother-in-law. David, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so here's the big question. Uh, on an average night, who wins Bridge more, your mother or you? Uh, you know, it, it, like I, Bridge is a tough game, and I've only been playing for a few years now, so uh, so i got to give it to my mother-in-law. She'll win every time. And what are the stakes? Does she get a percentage of the company every time you lose? What's on the table here? <laughs> that would not be a great bet. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, usually it's bet over a, a bottle of wine. That's good. All right, let's jump into Weebly here. So I think uh, most people obviously are familiar with the space, but for the rare person who's not, quickly tell us what Weebly does and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? Sure. Uh, so Weebly is the easiest way. If you're starting a business and you're trying to trying to get online um, and get found, Weebly is the easiest way to do that. Um, uh, if, if you're trying to sell online and start an online store or even just get something as basic as a website up to get started, uh, you can sign up on Weebly.com. Uh, within 10 minutes, you can have something online. Um, within a couple hours, you could be completely finished and be ready to go. And what's the revenue model? Is it a pure play SaaS or is it a mix or what? It's uh, really easy. Um, we uh, offer a monthly charge. Um, it starts with free, so you can get started for free. Um, actually, about 80% of what we offer is completely free. Um, and then it's very honest. If you like the service, um, it starts at $4 a month uh, all the way up to um, about $35 a month. And, um, and just a simple monthly charge, no advertising. Um, you just, uh, if, if you see value, you, 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 you just pay for what you get. And David, is it fair to say the average is probably in terms of if you just look at your paying customers, you're closer to four or five bucks a month, or is the average actually higher end 30, 35 bucks a month? No, mo- mo- most people are sort of, uh, somewhere in that like eight to $15 a month price range. Um, so it's still really affordable. Okay. And what different pricing, uh, kind of metrics are you using to drive up ARPU? Is it number of seats? Is it number of pages on the website? Sites? Is it number of widgets yeah. included? What what leverage points are you using? So for us, it's entirely functionality, right? Um, and you know, you get unlimited page views, you get effectively unlimited storage. Um, so there's no limits on those kind of things. But it's really just down to the functionality. So are you using a more basic um, 
uh, website that's just kind of telling your story, that's probably in the four to eight dollar month range. Are you starting to do some e-commerce and starting to sell online? Um, that's in sort of that sixteen to twenty-five dollar price point. Um, are you really getting advanced with the e-commerce? You want to include our email marketing products, um, you know, our Facebook advertising products, and really start to grow your business and get found. That's where you get in some of those slightly higher price points. And why have you chosen to take the war to two separate spaces? And what I mean by that is on your website, there's a clear delineation right when you start. Are you building a website or an e-commerce platform? And on both of those sectors, you have massive competitors, be it Shopify on e-commerce or Squarespace, Wix, and other guys on the on the you know website side. Why fight? two wars at once? Sure. I mean, the space is huge. You know, I, 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 a lot of entrepreneurs like to um, pride themselves on saying we have no competition. If you have no competition, that's a bad sign. Um, you know, that usually means you're in a small market. So um, the market's absolutely massive. I think, you know, we, um, we go where our customers are. And what our customers have told us more and more is that they're looking to start selling online. I think maybe 10 years ago, it was really about, you know, expectations were just a little simpler. It's like, hey, I just want to get found. I want to get that website online. That's kind of our bread and butter. That's where we started. And there's a whole host of people who are just looking to do that. Um, we're finding increasingly that our customers are trying to actually say, look, Getting found is great, but I need to start transacting online. And that's where the magic starts to happen. That's where you go on vacation, your business is running itself, right? That's where you're making money while you sleep. Um, and so increasingly, that's what our customers are looking to do. And we listen to our customers and we offer what they're looking for. Why not then go all in on e-commerce and ignore the regular hosting? E-commerce is nice too, because you have a direct attribution model. They can see a return. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, we're, we're continuing to push, like I said, exactly where, um, where, where our customers are looking for value. Um, I think it's, you know, we've delineated website and e-commerce um, sort of on our homepage. It's not quite so black and white a delineation. I mean, you might, you know, even if you're going to sell a physical product, you might get started by setting up a website. Um, you know, even e-commerce functionality is on a website, right? So it's not quite so black and white. I think for a lot of our customers, um, you know, it makes sense as they're getting started to understand, are you selling today or are you going to sell later? That's kind of really the delineation. Um, and, you know, I think over time, a lot of people are going to be upgrading to transacting online. It's just sort of the logical next step. Yep. So you launched back in 2006 in your dorm room. You've scaled to today. I, I know you've raised capital. Give us a quick update there. How much have you raised total? Yeah. So uh, we uh, started, um, uh, I wrote the first line of code in February 2006. It was uh, part of a, a class project at Penn State. Um, you know, continued working on it throughout that class. Then that summer, um, I, uh, uh, we were interning in New York City. Uh, well, applied for, got accepted to Y Combinator that fall, moved out, uh, skipped out, I should say, um, from our last semester of school. Cause Wait, we all David, sorry, I want to cut you off there real quick. When you were doing this and you applied to Y Combinator, what got you in? Were you post revenue at that point and the revenue numbers impressed them or your user base? No, the, the, the you know, this, this was 2007. These were simpler times, uh, if you will. Uh, y Combinator had just gotten started. Most companies that were applying for Y Combinator at that point in time were just idea stage. That's obviously very different today. At the time, I think we were one of, if not the furthest along company um, that had ever uh, applied to and gotten into Y Combinator. In terms of what though? User base, code lines written, what? So we had actually launched something. Okay. Uh, and, and, and we had effectively launched a beta. And that was at the time the furthest along, but there was no way that you could pay us even a single dollar. That, that wouldn't come for another couple of years. People actually at one point in time were, were just mailing us unsolicited checks for 50 bucks saying, I'm really afraid you're going to go out of business. Like, here, just take some money. Like, <laughs> I, I, like, I love your product so much, just have some money. David, that actually happened, or that's just a hell of a good story you tell? It, and it no, kind no, of happened. Like happened multiple times. Do you have a wall somewhere of all those just checks put up? 
you know what? Like if we were smarter, we would have kept the checks. I think at the time we actually did need the money. So <laughs> you, we you cashed, cashed them. them. <laughs> You're like, that's Whataburger tonight. That's McDonald's tomorrow yeah, night. Exactly. That's funny. Costco right there. Yeah. So 2006, you get into YC, um, to keep the story going from there. Yeah. So we skipped out of school. I say we skipped out of school because we all ended up graduating after the fact, but we had a semester left and just, and, and just, I drove out, um, from, uh, uh, Penn state to San Francisco. Um, this was early January. I drove 80. Uh, turns out I would not recommend driving 80 in January. I got stuck in Wyoming for about three days. Um, but, but made it through, um, with all the servers intact in my car, um, made it out here to San Francisco, uh, participate in the Y Combinator program, um, that April, uh, kind of a, kind of a fun, I suppose, if you want to call it that milestone, we, we, at one point were left with less than a hundred dollars in our bank account. We just paid rent. We just done how a many, big how many, Oscar. how many people were on your team at that point? Uh, just the three founders. Okay. Um, and so, um, but, but so we had food for a couple of weeks and we had rent due like in another two to three weeks. So we basically only had a couple of weeks left and, and we weren't really sure how we were going to make it through, but demo day was coming up and we were sort of, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic. Um, we ended up, uh, so, so it was 20 K from Y Combinator in January. We made that stretch, um, about four months. That was your first um, round, essentially 20 K. Effectively. That was the first round. And um, what have you raised today? And, uh, today we've raised just a little over 35 million in primary capital. Okay. And um, when you say so, primary, why do you make that delineation? Have you done secondary stuff or venture debt or what? Yeah, we've done a little bit. Um, and I think primary capital is the best way to look at the business basically is like how much it actually taken in. And we actually, so, so not to kind of just to skip through the story really quickly. I'm um, a 650, 650K was in April of 2007. Um, uh, you know, kind of just continued scaling the business from there. Um, in, uh, 2014, we raised 35 million from Sequoia, um, and 10 cent and, um, uh, you know, today we actually have, uh, more cash in the bank than we've raised. Now, how have you managed? I mean, you know, once you raise capital, you essentially put yourself on a timeline. And so I imagine you are fighting your board meetings might sound something like this. These guys are going, David, spend more money, acquire more customers, grow, drive growth, 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 growth. And you're going, I don't want to drive growth at the sake of the bottom line. I want to be cash flow positive. How do you keep pushing off the, the board's drive and desire for growth with keeping cash flow? You would be actually surprised. Um, that's not how our board meetings go at all. Um, they, they, uh, I think, I think the key is having the right investors and we've been super, super lucky to have investors who are the best of the best, right? So it starts off with Y Combinator. Um, you then have, uh, Ron Conway, Steve Anderson, Mike Maples, um, you know, Iden, you know, these sort of best known angels. Um, uh, then, then, then of course, uh, Sequoia, um, and then most recently also Tencent. So I think, um, uh, you know, having just a fantastic set of investors around the table um, means that they're also long term focused and um, there's no pressure for driving towards an exit or driving towards an outcome um, that uh, that isn't in the long term. You know, as far as how we think about growth, um, you know, I think uh, there's you'd be you know, what I've witnessed is a lot of very suboptimal decision making as far as spending goes. Um, very common to get ahead of your skis. Um, you mean on, amongst your uh, peers, how, appears, David? Exactly. Yeah. Um, very common to just hire too many people. I think just being deliberate about how you grow the team is just critically important. Um, very common to just go spend money um, in a very undisciplined way. Um, and we've always wanted to spend money smartly. So um, so I think, look, uh, uh, we've always said, like, we're going to use this money to invest in growth where it makes sense, but we're not going to go and spend the money in a very undisciplined, sort of foolish way just because we feel like we need to. 
Yep, that makes sense. Now, walk me through some of the growth. You've driven incredible growth. So where are you, I, I'm sure a lot of it is free because you have a freemium model, but when you do spend money to drive new customer growth, where are you tend to, where do you tend to spend that money? How are you getting new customers? Yeah, so, so, so I'll start by saying that, um, that we've had uh, substantially all of our growth has been via word of mouth. And I think at the end of the day, if you build a fantastic product, it's not that you build it and they will come but the core of all success of, of any company does come down to the product and does come down to having a, just a fantastic um, experience with the product. Um, I think, uh, you know, for us, a lot of that is driven by the freemium model that drives uh, basically word of mouth. I think the freemium model only works if there's a couple things that has to work. It only works, number one, if it is driving word of mouth for you. It only works, number two, um, if your marginal cost per additional user is low enough to sort of support the freemium model. So. Um, so, you know, David, but, so can, can you, do you mind me asking, can you quantify that in a given month? What percent of your new customers will come from someone that clicked powered by Weebly on a free account? So there's a ton of different ways that people come. Um, I will say that for the most part, it's never been a, a, a simple sort of growth hacking, uh, trick there, 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 there hasn't been a single sort of trick that's caused, um, I would say the very large majority of our growth has just come from, to the best we can tell, dinner table conversations, um, you know, uh, conversations over, uh, you know, a cocktail at the bar, just people who are saying, hey, here's where I am, talking to their friends about their needs, and someone saying, hey, have you tried Weebly, yep. right? And so the very large, very large majority of our growth has come from effectively um, untrackable, uh, you know, either uh, hits our homepage directly or searches Weebly on Google. And that's where the large majority of it comes from. So when you look at on an $8 per month average plan, you say maybe up to 15, what are you spending on? I mean, what's your CAC? What's your all in CAC on these guys? Yeah, I mean, so that's obviously something that we look at very carefully. I'll say that, you know, the specific numbers, you know, for our business obviously are proprietary, um, uh, being a private company. But the things that we do really look at, I think the, the freemium model is really interesting because not only do you have your traditional sort of cohort cash flows over time that you would see in a SaaS business, you also have this additional layer on top, which is your premium conversion over time from a sign-up cohort perspective, right? So that adds like a really interesting layer, but what it does is it adds a lot of sort of historical momentum in the business. So, you know, for us, it's quite predictable how many of, uh, you know, the, you know, the patterns are basically pretty consistent of how yeah. many people come to the door and how they'll convert over time. So on average, how long does a free user use you until they're converting? Are we talking like six months, 12 months, or even longer? You have to be more patient, two, three years. You know, it entirely depends, um, you know, what you're looking at in terms of cohorts or seasonality in the business. It also depends on, um, you know, the customer type. Are you looking at someone who's doing more commerce? Are you looking at someone who's doing, um, uh, you know, maybe a, a website for their classroom and they're a teacher? Can so, you give us a general range, though? I mean, less than a year or more than three, four? I mean, I'm curious how patient you have to be. Um, I think that, uh, you know, again, that those numbers are like fairly proprietary for us. Um, but, you know, in general, these are patterns that we see. We see people converting um, six years later for the first time, someone who signed up for the first time, who has uh, been consistently using the service, who's paying us for the first time six years later. So, David, is that an outlier, though? I mean, are you giving me an extreme example or is that pretty average? Uh, that's not average. Okay. Um, but, uh, but we do see those patterns that people do. Uh, you know, a lot of people convert up front. Um, a lot of people will be converting over time as well. 
I know that many of you have thought about launching your own online courses to help sell more of your software and other products, but a lot of you guys haven't started, myself included, to be honest. It's too much work. You gotta have a landing page builder plus web hosting, probably some video hosting. You have to dabble around in WordPress. You have to mess with an e-commerce system, membership plugins. If you wanna get fancy, even affiliate software, the fact is it's too complicated. Now, all of this recently changed for me when I had the CEO of Thinkific on my show. You see, for many years, I've been building this content that I call the eight empires, but I've never been able to monetize it because I couldn't find an easy way to put it up and deal with members and consumption of the content. Well, it took me about 23 minutes to put this content up inside of my Thinkific course, which is great because I can then put that course right on my website. So here's what I did. I saw how easy it was. I then went live on Facebook. I drove two sales and 97 bucks each. And I was like, okay, wow, this works. I want to strike a deal with a CEO. So that's what I did. Any of you guys can use Thinkific today for one month totally free on the business plan. Everyone else, if they go to the regular website, they pay 99 bucks for that. But to start and launch your own course, totally free for that first month, go to nathanlacka.com forward slash Thinkific. You'll also get, oh, over about $1,000 in other goodies that they make other people pay for. So go to nathanlacka.com forward slash Thinkific. All you have to do is put in your email, click agree, and then take the next steps to rock and roll. I'll see you there. And before you know it, you'll have your online course launched and making sales. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash Thinkific. Okay, so 2006 to today, you've got a lot of growth coming from freemium. Uh, you have a board who's patient, which is wonderful. You've got nice core analytics in terms of being able to predict things like growth and conversion rates. What have you scaled to today in terms of total customers using the platform? Yeah, so we're over 50 million people um, that are using Weebly. Um, the, the vast majority just are entrepreneurs. They have an idea. They're trying to get this online. They're trying to get access right to the digital economy and, and, and the economy more broadly. And... Um, and, you know, of those 50 million people, the coolest stat for me is about 325 million people every single month visit one of those websites or online stores uh, that were created um, by those entrepreneurs. I think that's really cool. Um, that's a global number. Just the U.S. component of that represents about half of the U.S. population. Yeah. I think that's our coolest metric because that's a reflection of the success of the people on our platform. To be clear, though, David, with 50 million users, I mean, you specifically have the user number, which I understand because it's the biggest number. But from a paid customer account, are you I mean, are you guys north of a million paid accounts at this point? Yeah, I mean, that's like another another stat that we just don't disclose. You know, we're we're a private company, but um, but there's a large number of paying customers as well. I think, you know, what we see in terms of conversion isn't um, maybe slightly better, not totally out of line with the with the ranges that you see in a lot of premium businesses. Can you edge? I mean, obviously, we just saw Drew's because the S1 came out. But when you say average, based off knowledge I have, I would say average is anywhere between like four and eight percent on a freemium model. Or I mean, when you look at averages and you use the word we're like other people, is that a fair average or is it a, am I off by a little? Yeah, I mean, like, 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 again, like specific stats are going to be tough, like really tough for us to disclose. Um, but, uh, but, you know, again, like, um, you know, I would say, I would say we're a bit above average in terms of okay. a lot of premium. Yeah. All I'm trying to say, ignore your numbers for a second, educate us real quick on, I mean, you know, a lot of people in the Valley, you're well-educated here. What do you see as the average in a freemium model typically from free to paid? I look, I think that, um, that, that the, like, I'll tell you where we started when we first, cause I think this is really important. Um, when we first started, introduced our first paying um, subscription, which was Weebly Pro. And uh, when we first introduced that, um, I think it was, it was in June of 2008, 
we saw a conversion rate of um, just under 0.5%. Okay. So, you know, for someone getting started who's, who's looking to start a premium business, I think it's it, it, you absolutely have to keep in mind that these numbers that you see in terms of what's average, average for premium businesses, first of all, um, you know, what's average, like sort of, sort of what's the, what's the um, mean and the median are very, very different um, in freemium models. Um, but number two, where you start with is going to be very different than where you end up when you're mature. And so I think it's really worth taking that into account. If you're looking at um, sort of, uh, you know, introducing either a freemium or, or, or just a SaaS model on top of your business, and you're expecting to get the average on day one, I would say lower your expectations because it takes a lot of time to get there. Uh, a lot of optimization, a lot of price testing, a lot of funnel optimization to get to the point where you're even at average. Um, but then again, for some businesses, you may start day one above average, right? But I think I think in general, it's fair to say lower your expectations, in, at least in terms of your planning and what you're planning for. What it, David, once you hit maturity, though, and again, I'm not asking you to reveal your numbers, but the reason I love this show is because I get people on who know more than I do, right? So when you talk to other friends in the freemium model space, are they typically able to mature to a point where it's four, five, six percent free to pay? Is that an average or is it too low or high? You know, it, it's, it's, again, it's really hard. I mean, some businesses are able to do four five, six. Some businesses are never able to get there. Some businesses are able to do 10% plus, right? Yeah. I think freemium, you know, freemium and um, free trial are, uh, you know, it's not binary. It's more of a continuum, right? And so you have freemium on one end. I think the really important thing to understand as far as conversion rates go for businesses um, in freemium is that you have to have something that makes sense to your customers in terms of how you delineate between free and paid, right? A lot of people think, look, I'm just gonna slap a freemium model on top of something and I'm just gonna get that 4% and that's just not how it works, right? Yeah. I think going back to the Dropbox example, you know, in some ways I've envied Drew, um, and by the way, we started, uh, you know, we, we when, when we were in Y Combinator in 2007, we were in this building that we called the Y Scraper because there's so many Y Combinator companies there and um, and Drew and Arash were there too, about two floors down from us. So it was this kind of really fun um, kind of moment in time in 2007 when a lot of those companies were starting. Um, one one thing I always envied um, about the Dropbox model is that you know your your model has to resonate with your customers in a way that they understand why they have to pay more for something or they just won't do it. If it comes off as sort yep. of fake, it comes off as this like artificial constraint, it's not going to work. And for them, uh, it's always made sense because. Um, people get that you have to pay more for storage, right? There, pe people are completely trained and attuned to that. Um, what's your when, what's David? Just as we're running out of time here, what's your similar metric? Is it like number of page views, number of sites? For us, it's the features, right? Um, you know, for which us, one, it's though, like, well, which feature? So, so there's a whole bunch of features. I think broadly speaking, um, in the earlier packages, it's really about branding and making sure that you're set up um, for for um, you know success from that perspective. You mean to remove um, the powered by Weebly so you look more professional? No, it's not that it's not necessarily removing the power by Weebly. It's your own domain. It's sort of like several wow. things all together that add up. Um, you know, in in the later features, it's 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 some of this professional sort of functionality that you might get. Um, you know, maybe if you're a freelancer and you need um, you know to get leads, or you know you're looking for like high quality video player, like kind of some of this functionality to really look very professional. Yep. Um, and then the later features, it's all about, you know, the later packages, it's all about e-commerce. So last few quick questions here on economics, David, then we'll wrap up with the famous five, uh, payback period. How quick do you like to get paid back on these folks? Is it average around a year like other SaaS companies or are you more or less? Yeah, I, I don't think we're, we're particularly unusual compared to other okay. SaaS companies. Churn is obviously critical in this kind of company. Constant contact for whatever reason when it was public was valued at like way lower in terms of a PE multiple than other folks because their churn was just insane. What did, and their SMB space, similar ARPUs to you. What's your churn today and how do you manage it? 
Yeah, so I think I like to look, personally, I do not like looking at churn as is defined. I know churn is sort of both a concept and sort of a, a, a defined metric. Um, I prefer to look at renewal rates by cohort um, because churn is sort of this, uh, this, this sort of composite measure that, that, that I'm not as much of a fan of. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so, so our renewal rates are one of the steadiest metrics in our business. And I think if you, um, uh, you know, if you have, um, a product that doesn't have product market fit, you're going to see really low renewal rates. If you have a product that has really great product market fit, you're gonna see really high renewal rates. And I think that, um, that, that, that is a key sign for business on whether, you know, the product market fit is healthy. So, I mean, are you North annually of 90% in terms of gross logo retention and, and it's pretty steady at that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a different measure for us. You know, we don't like look at logo retention. You know, there's there's you know 50 million people that come to sign up. There's a certain number of those that have converted to paid. Well, tell me uh, how you think about it. You have an interesting perspective. How do you measure it? So the way I think about it is basically looking at our cohorts and yep. then understanding their renewal rates by term. So let's just say you look at a cohort that paid us for the first time in January of 2009. Sure. Um, and let's say it's an annual package, right? Not a monthly. So what I like to look at is say of that cohort, um, what percentage of them will either have um, renewed um, or uh, upgraded or extended, right? Those are kind of three things that you can do um, within the first term and then within the second term. So T2 would be, you know, T1 would basically be in January 2010. T2 would be in January 2011, right? And looking at those renewal rates by term and then effectively comparing cohorts. So looking at the January 2009 cohort versus the January 2010 versus 11 versus 12 versus 13, um, and looking sort of you know apples to apples um, to make sure we count for seasonality, and just looking at the trends in those cohorts and making sure that those are um, remaining really consistent or improving. And in our case, they're improving, which is great. Okay. And that gives you sort of predictability in the in the in the out years. You're not going to give me a minimum in terms of retention annually, are you? Unfortunately, I can't do that. You're, 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 you're similar to other SaaS companies playing in this space though. Nothing crazy. And you do cohort analysis like everybody else. Exactly. All right. Last question here. Um, you mentioned when you first put up the pro account, it was a 0.5% conversion rate from free to paid. Can I pin you down on this one thing? You've gotten better since then, not worse. Yes, we've okay, gotten significantly better since then. <laughs> Guys, there, there we go. We have a floor, right? So with 50 million <laughs> paying people, if you only are converting 0.5%, he's north of this, but only 0.5%, that's 250,000 paying customers. If you got an $8 ARPU, which again, could be up to 15, but I'll do minimums, that's 2 million a month in revenue or north of a $24 million annual run rate. David, fair to say you're north of that, right? Just multiplying your numbers. You know, it's fun to watch you try to work it out. <laughs> You guys can watch his face on the YouTube to see if I'm accurate or not. But uh, fair to say, David, those are those are numbers from you, minimums at least. I think you're doing well north of that. I want to give you credit for that. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. No, uh, one word answers. Number one, what's your last business book that you read? Uh, la my last business book, um, not the last one, my favorite one is um, is the one on Admiral Rickover, The Rickover Effect. The Rickover Effect. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? CEO I'm following or studying? Um, uh, no, I mean, no one in particular comes to mind. One, one person who, um, who has been helpful um, is uh, Pete Flint of Trulia. Number uh, three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Um, this, is, this is like a really cheap answer, but I'm obsessed with Boomerang for Gmail. I would not be able to do what I do if not for that uh, product. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Um, uh, between eight and nine. Okay, that's pretty good. And what's your situation? Uh, married, single, and just one kid or more? Uh, married with one kid. Okay, good. Married, one kiddo. And how old are you, David? Uh, I am 32. 32. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, what do I wish my 20-year-old self knew? Um, 
uh, I think for for the most part, I think the the thing I wish I knew was to make sure to um, keep the business and um, the company on the same level. So a lot of people make the mistake on the other side of hiring too quickly. Um, earlier on, we d- we made the mistake of hiring too slowly. And I think both are mistakes. Guys, there you have it. David from Weebly. When he's not getting his butt kicked by his mother-in-law at Bridge, he's building Weebly Lunch back in 2006. Made the truck across the country to get into YC where he raised his first capital. They've now raised over 35 million bucks. Last raise really was back in 2014. He's managed now to keep the company profitable with more cash in the bank today than all the money they've raised. So more than 35 million bucks in the bank when they first launched the pro account they were converting just 0.5 percent of those users don't expect to do more than that that's a good lesson for everybody generally gotten better than that today over 50 million paid accounts if you assume some of the numbers he gave us you can maybe back into a minimum of about 24 million bucks in arr growing fast and profitably in the valley it's rare david thank you so much for taking us to the top thanks for having me